0: And welcome to another episode of Well Capitalized. I'm your host, Bobby Kingsbury, Managing Director at MCM Capital Partners. And today we're going to be continuing our education on the due diligence process. Uh, and today we have with us Kelly Lamran from KeyBank talking about uh, bank diligence. So Kelly, thank you very much for, for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little bit of background on yourself and then sure. maybe Key and then we can start start from
1: there. Sure. Uh, so Kelly Lamran, I'm the Regional Credit Exec at... Um, at Key Bank and I've been there for coming up on 22 years, so I've been there my whole career. I started at Key right out of college, I went to Miami University. Uh, I started there in their credit training program um, and did did a bunch of training all throughout the summer and then got into the middle market space as an analyst. I took a side step into the corporate bank for a couple of years. I hated that job (laughs) and then I came back to the middle market as an associate for a couple of years and then uh, got my credit authority about 17 years ago. And so I was a junior credit officer, and I've just expanded my credit role uh, throughout the years from the Cleveland market, the Cleveland and Akron and Columbus, and now I have a team of folks that help me manage middle market credit for the Great Lakes, which for key is all of Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan. So it's a lot of windshield time for <laughs> me, but, but that, that's such and a thing. cold-weather states. Yes, yes, you know, but... Just
0: so how does KEY, um, just for the viewers at home, how does KEY define the, the middle market? What size businesses are you typically underwriting?
1: Uh, KEY defines the middle market from about 10 million in revenue to mm-hmm. about a half a billion. And th- the majority of our borrowers fall in that 10 to, I would say, less than 100 million in revenue. The yeah. outliers of the big companies, there they, there are a, a handful of them, but. In terms of volume, it's it's definitely at in that 10 to less than 100 million dollar revenue space. Great. So
0: let, let's get into the the M&A process, and you know, from, from a legal or from a bank diligence standpoint, mm-hmm. um, what information do you generally require upfront from the companies, either from buyer or from the company itself?
1: Uh, what we're looking for are you know, three years of historical financial statements, balance sheet, profit and loss, k- statement of cash flows, uh, from an, usually from an outside party. Sometimes that gets a little tricky because if a business hasn't had a lot of debt, they haven't had a lot of financial statement requirements. Right. So do they um, need to be audited? Oh, of course not. No, okay. not at all. Not at all, but that's that's where. And then we, if, if there's an interim statement, we look for you know as of a September and then the September same of the prior year, so we can calculate the trailing 12 months or mm-hmm. the last 12 months of revenues, EBITDA, etc., and um, where we usually come up on statements that are either company prepared or maybe they're just a compilation from the accountant will generally require a quality of earnings and the reason for that is that you want to you want to validate what your assumptions are and sort of test the the financials a little bit in terms of accuracy mm-hmm. so and there a lot of a lot of times there after the sale process, we're making some assumptions on addbacks, and so we, we need to validate those, right. and a, a quality of earnings will give that to us.
0: So are you is, is the bank doing additional work, or does the bank generally rely on the quality of earnings performed by a outside accounting firm?
1: We generally piggyback off of your yeah. diligence. We're not trying to make this an onerous process where um, we're going to require a bunch of separate People doing the same work, so we piggyback off of off of what your uh, what what the what MCM in your case would require. So,
0: so wh- why why does the bank require you know just for the business owners that listening? Why does the bank require this information for what purpose?
1: So what we're looking at when when we do a transaction is we're we're putting a certain amount of debt on on the books, and we need to make sure that there's the ability for that debt to get repaid. Um, we look at the leverage of the business uh, defined really by the cash flows the, the um, debt to EBITDA so total funded debt to EBITDA which means in our case and then uh, senior funded debt so senior funded debt would just be keys so right. the senior lender to EBITDA and then the total would be if there's any sub debt or junior capital laid on top of that so
0: got it. as negotiations might m- might be going on entrepreneurs may hear some Uh, terms that they may not be familiar with, like cash flow recapture or revolver availability. Can you describe or define some of those for them, just to, you know, the the most common terms that they might not be familiar with?
1: Sure, sure. Working capital availability or revolver availability, we just want to make sure that uh, the business has enough liquidity to, you know, going forward to meet their needs. So the worst thing you can do is use some of the revolver, the line of credit, to fund your deal, and then all of a sudden the next week you have to meet payroll, and there's right. not enough money there. You need to, you know, you need to account for those ebbs and flows in your taxes and in your payroll. When is your insurance due? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's only an annual insurance payment or quarterly, or I, I don't know exactly how some of that work works, but it's not a monthly number. But if that number is due right after closing, you didn't leave enough revolver availability right. to help you pay for it, and you haven't collected bunch of receivables yet we just need to make sure there's enough cushion there.
0: So what in, in, in your definition then what would be enough cushion so draw down on revolver at close what would you like to see in terms of availability ten percent no more than twenty percent?
1: Um, I would say it's about it it depends on the size and in the nature of the okay. business you know it's less if they're is an, an inventory component. If it's just a service business that's, not, that's receivables based, yeah. so that you know, if there's no inventory, it, it consumes less cash. Um, but I would say it's generally between, I want to say a half a turn of EBITDA maybe. Okay. You know, Businesses are all different though. But we, we look to um, the owners and to, who've been through the cycle before and to you guys to help us through that conversation and, and making sure that there's enough liquidity there
0: what about cash flow recapture?
1: So cash flow recapture essentially means, um, so if you, we underwrite to a base case and we make sure there's room in the covenant. However, if you outperform, we we take a percentage of that to pay down the term loan. And the reason for that is that um, we've done a deal based on the enterprise value and there's not a, usually, there's not a a lot of collateral there Mm -hmm. as a secondary source of repayment. To repay the debt, so an airball, yeah. another term that you may hear, collateral shortfall, if you will, um, and that so that the reason uh, we want a recapture is that if a downturn then does come, the leverage is brought down a little bit, a little bit in the years that the performance has been really good, and amortizations on term loans have stretched. Um, market, you know, will go up to 10 years on an amortization. If you dialed that back a handful of years in my career, we really weren't doing anything more than seven, just a handful of years ago. So because of of that um, stretching of that amortization is also why
0: we want want some of
1: that recapture in the years that you've uh, you've outperformed. And uh, also the deal is such too that it doesn't really benefit the company all that much to just sit on a bunch of cash. You really can't do anything else with it. Like unless the bank says it's okay, I mean, it's not like you can take a distribution, or you know, you'd have to get the bank's consent for that because we really sort of lock that down until you know the leverage is in good mm-hmm. shape. Uh, so there's really, to, in order to you know, to be sitting on a bunch of cash on the balance, sheet really doesn't, it's it's not all that beneficial.
0: No, it doesn't do anybody no any good right. How because we're also we're paying for that money. Right. 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 Um, Two, two questions as, as a follow-on to that. Now, what, what if I'm a business owner and I'm hearing that and I'm talking about cash flow recapture and I'm outperforming, you're taking some of the, the cash away, but what if I want to invest in some growth, uh, growth CapEx?
1: So it's net of that number. Okay. So um, it's, it's really the operating cash flow. So th- what the, the cash flow of the business is generated minus all the fixed charges, and the CapEx is part of that calculation. And so it, you know, if you wanted to do that, we've already taken that into account. So um, if, if the performance really killed it, but you you wanted to do an investment, that that's our, the, the whatever's left over is already smaller. Yep. So we've taken that into consideration already. Got it.
0: And so when, when we were talking prior, mm-hmm. um, you had mentioned you know the five C's to lending, five and we are shocked that I had no, no idea what the they were. The five C's yeah. credit. I guess three out of the five, or the five C's <laughs> of, of, of credit. So can you- That was part uh, of training 22 yeah.
1: years ago. <laughs> so.
0: For the business owners and myself, sure. uh, what are the the, the five C's of, of credit? What
1: we're always looking for are threats to and uh, to how we get repaid. So we are looking at sources of repayment for the loans that we make. Um, and, and some of the de- determining factors of that, you sort of, like you said, go back to the five C's of credit. Character is a big one. That's why I really like Key's process in that getting loans approved and whatnot we like to meet management teams I've Mm -hmm. met a ton of management teams we've been on a bunch of plant tours together you know I I always tell people I've worn hard hats and goggles and lab coats and you know I really like getting out and seeing uh, businesses and meeting people and uh, so, the character is a big one for us, and, w- and what we're trying to assess there too is the strength of the management team. It's not just all about the owner, but you guys have passed the character test, but we need to know that the management team can yeah. as well. So, it's
0: not just a private equity firm; it's also the management mm-hmm. team that you're taking a look at too. For
1: sure, for sure. You know, you try to figure out their ability to uh, navigate tough situations. How have they? How has their business ebbed and flowed? How has it grown? Um, and you know has there been any turmoil in the industry and how do they how do they figure that out and how do they you know keep the EBITDA steady where it is uh, in order to repay the debt so that's you, you're trying to assess their ability to navigate those waters. I want
0: to interrupt the five C's for, sure. <laughs> for one other sure. additional question so a- as you look at uh, oftentimes there's a lot of business owners that haven't had to put any debt uh, on their balance sheet so when you know a private equity firm is coming in obviously it's a leverage recapitalization, we are using leverage mm-hmm. uh, to help fund the transaction. How do you look at a business owner management team that have never dealt with uh, debt on their balance sheet prior?
1: Um, well, you, I mean, that's, a, that's really not that big of a deal. You sort of want to make sure that um, through the diligence process, they know what covenants are, if there's any additional reporting that, and, and what's important to the bank. Um, but as long as, I mean, w- what they should really be focused on is their EBITDA and their performance. Mm-hmm. I don't really want them to be sort of worried about the banking relationship. If they perform, everything else will fall into place because that's mm-hmm. what we underwrite to. We underwrite to um, their EBITDA and their financial performance. The, r- the rest of it should be, w- should be fine. W- what they should uh, take into consideration, the only thing that, that, that will sort of trip that up maybe a little bit, is on the liquidity side and, and mm-hmm. if there's... Um, there's uh, ebbs and flows in their working capital. If it's a seasonal business, you know, making right. sure if they when they're in and out of their line of credit yeah. and, as appropriate.
0: And capital so needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, so sorry. no, that's I, fine. I, I so we, we, your we no, five, you're six. good. So
1: we talked about uh, character. We talk about um, capacity or cash flow, and, and that's just sort of what we talked about is the um, capacity of the business to repay the debt, and that is all about the financial performance mm-hmm. and the EBITDA. So, you know, the business and we don't, a lot of businesses, they grow and then they've hit a a level of performance in EBITDA Mm -hmm. and they decide that that's a good time to sell because they've grown their business and the multiple of a bigger number, same multiple of a bigger number obviously nets them more more cash. But what we Mm -hmm. really try to get into is, well, what's the sustainability of that? You know, is it a hockey stick? Was it a one-time event? Mm -hmm. And, um... It, it, can they repeat that performance on a consistent basis? Uh, condition is another one and that someti- that comes a lot from outside factors. What's going on in the industry? How do they fit within that industry? Are there you know laws and regulations that sometimes help businesses? That mm-hmm. laws and, and regs require businesses um, to you know, buy whatever the product is that that company is selling. You'll see that a lot in in like heavy trucking. All the environmental rules change and so that drives a lot of business to get ahead of those. Certain things like that, Um, but, or conversely, are they facing, you know, headwinds? Is there the Amazon effect Mm -hmm. and a lot of, you know, consumer discretionary right now is incredibly stressed. So Mm -hmm. you, you try to look at outside factors as well. Uh, collateral is another one, and that is, those are the assets pledged against the loan, so your receivables, inventory, your senior lender has a first uh, first lien, lien on those yeah. assets, and so you, you look at that as a source of repayment. Generally speaking, in your kinds of transactions, um, we're not looking to the collateral for a ton of repayment because they're not asset heavy deals we, we focus on the value of the company is not just what's on the balance sheet right. there's an enterprise value which is why we sort of look at funded debt to EBITDA um, and then lastly is um, I've now you <laughs> I lost my chain of thoughts so and not lastly is um, is the equity you put in I know it's not the C the cash. it's no it's not cash oh my gosh I'm so to leave blank capital. capital. It's the huh. capital. That is the <laughs> equity you put into the yeah. business. So MCM capital. So you you know the ownership of the business. What skin do they have in the game? And you want to make sure that that uh, the ownership team has has something at risk as well.
0: Yeah, so th- it's not too dissimilar from what we look at, you know, we, we put together a potential investment standard score and we look at the macro micro environment, we look at the competitive advantage mm-hmm. of, of a company, we look at the depth and strength of, uh, of their management team, right. we look at our ability to add value, and then we look at the financial profile. So you know, there's a there's a lot of things in common from what we look forward to. Sure. Uh, you you know guys
1: are on the only. I say the the biggest difference is that you guys are underwriting I mean. to the growth case, and yeah. I really am just looking at the base case. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. You know, you can show me a bunch of projections that show a bunch of growth, mm-hmm. and I will discount those and say, okay, well, all I really need them to do is perform at the level, level. Right. at the level that they have. And you know, k- banks generally look at history as an indication mm-hmm. of forward-looking performance it doesn't always match up but uh, that we generally because anybody can put something on a projection right, on a it, but until yeah. you actually hit it yeah. you know that that's what you know that that's when it becomes real yeah so, well, th-
0: so that's a good transition into uh, debt levels so uh, generally what are the total debt levels that uh, Bank or senior lender might be comfortable with both from a total debt perspective and then from a senior lending perspective as it relates to EBITDA.
1: Sure. So generally speaking, um, we're a less than three by four shop, and what that means is that we focus uh, on pu- putting, we require really putting um, less than senior debt to EBITDA less than three times and total less than four. So three times would sort of be our, our benchmark, and we generally, on small, some smaller businesses, and size matters in that space, mm-hmm. um, on smaller businesses, which is generally what you guys do and small, I'd say, in by our definition is less than 20 million dollars in EBITDA, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Um, we try to stay, uh, you know, 275, 250, so that we try to give ourselves some room under that three, uh, that three-handle th- uh, threshold, and then you can put a layer generally of uh, of sub debt on top of that. And the reason that that $20 million uh, an EBITDA number is significant because generally speaking bigger companies have access to the capital markets Mm -hmm. that smaller businesses just do not. And so those structures just don't fit in that smaller space. Um, You know the percentages, you know 10% of a $20 million business obviously is you know, two million dollars. That's a significant in terms of dollars. If it's only two and a half million dollars, that's 250 grand. You right. can drop 250 grand pretty quickly, and that's already 10%. Yeah. So that's that's another reason that the then the math sort of gets a little bit different when the numbers are smaller because the percentages are are very small changes that yeah. businesses can see very often. Yeah, and
0: it's a function of risk. Right. At, at right. The end of the day. Right. So uh, from a rates standpoint, you know, where are rates? At? What what do senior lenders generally charge? Uh, um, um,
1: General, I mean, it, it's really relationship pricing, mm-hmm. and so we basically look do we at get the uh, best uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> we we basically uh, we basically look at the entire relationship and what products and services are going to be used. There's um, a lot of factors that, con- that contribute to that, are there any deposits that, uh, that are, will remain on the balance sheet? Mm-hmm. Um, are they using treasury services, which we would require in any deal. We would be the only lenders, so we would require all that. Are they going to do fix their rate using an interest rate swap? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we factor all of that in. And, and honestly, in our relationship, we factor the whole MCM relationship into into the deal you know because we we've been we've had such a good long-standing relationship that uh, we take into that we take into account that whole relationship that we have with your team into our pricing models.
0: Correct. So what can you explain for the business owners what debt covenants are and which ones are the most important uh, to you?
1: Sure we generally try to keep it we keep try to keep it simple so I always say to people, you know, what really matters? You know, what, what are we trying to solve for here? And cash is king, cash yep. flow is king. And that is A, number one, most important. So your operating cash flow or your fixed charge coverage ratio, definitions are sort of interchangeable, that's the most important covenant to us. Mm-hmm. Leverage is important, but, but cash flow is, is our number one uh, covenant in there. And that, what that means is you're taking the operating cash flows of the business uh, divided by the fixed charges, which would be principal, interest, distributions, capex, and taxes. Those are the five generally that go into the denominator, and, and sometimes it's a D-dub from the new, you know, I don't even get into all of the definitions yeah. and whatnot. There, there, there can be various definitions, but uh, it, it really shows that the business is performing at a level that can repay the debt.
0: And what generally is the covenant there then? And a fixed charge?
1: It, it falls anywhere between uh, 110 to 120 depending on your definition. Uh, that's generally the range that we would like to see. And if there's a covenant trip, uh, we the reason for the covenant is to give us a signal that there might be a problem, to bring us all back to the table. It doesn't mean the end of the world, and you're gonna throw us the keys, Mm -hmm. and we're throwing you out of the bank. That's that's definitely not what it's meant to do. It's meant to re-engage the conversation about, okay, you had a misstep, or maybe you had a one-time activity you built. You had a a huge piece of machinery that you wanted to pay out of cash flow because you didn't really need to borrow any money. Yeah, so, you know, that threw you, that threw you off for that year. How I, I describe that to people is that maybe you had some cash on the balance sheet that you had been saving over numerous years, and so you really wanted to use that cash. You didn't pay for it out of operations all in the same year. I, I sort of look at that like when you go to buy a home. You didn't you didn't earn your down payment all in one year, right? You know, so you maybe you saved some money, or you know, maybe you 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 funded that capital expenditure through another loan. So, you know, you would borrow to do that, and then you'd okay. add to your principal payments for that. That's but a great example. Yeah, okay. and we also view uh, we view growth capex very differently than maintenance capex. Mm-hmm. But wh- what we're trying to look at is that uh, the maintenance capex in the in the fixed charges. What do you need to spend? year in and year out in order for to produce the same EBITDA that you did. You know, you're clearly, if it's growth, maybe you grew, grew like I heard um, prior, you were grew into a new building. Yeah. Well, you're not going to buy a new building every year, that's right. definitely a growth move that you have to do every so often, but generally speaking, you that's not an every year activity. Right. So. But, but anyhow, the, going back to fixed charge coverage, that just shows the ability to repay. And in the banking world, that's, a, that's big in, the, in the, our risk rating system, mm-hmm. which um, it just shows the performance of a loan and that the better the risk rating is for us, Means we don't. A bank has to reserve less capital against that loan, mm-hmm. and so when it falls below that one, especially at a one-time level, we have to reserve a lot more capital against that loan, mm-hmm. and so that's why we perceive well. It's perceived to be Riff. riskier in that scenario, and that's why it costs the bank a lot more money. Yeah. So, and then on the leverage side. Uh, we generally, we focus on the leverage covenants in terms of funded debt to EBITDA like we just talked about and so we'll start, we, we like to see those closing numbers less than three by four but we don't underwrite right to that those numbers because we know that you've got to, you got to allow some cushion and right. we're not looking for defaults, believe me, I'm not <laughs> looking for a default. So we give some, some cushion and we look at the plan and then we sort of, we set benchmarks to try to mm-hmm. see that leverage come down over the years.
0: So when when you're looking at a an operating plan, you know during the the diligence side, how how much are you discounting? Twenty percent. Twenty percent.
1: Basic. That's that's basic. Um, Depends on how lofty the plan is, but um, as as a goal, I'll take the plan that you give us, the owners or MCM whomever has provided, and we'll we'll try to give you at least a a twenty percent to the covenant.
0: Well, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed it. I think the business owners will get a lot out of this. So thank you so much. Yeah, no,
1: thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for taking the time to watch another episode of Well Capitalized. Please subscribe to our channel below. And if you have any additional questions, please leave them in the comments section. Thank you.